0: Hello, and welcome to the Third Age Design Podcast. I'm Laurie pinkerton Roley, and over the next half hour, I'll be discussing interior strategies for COVID-19 in care settings with Charles Leon. Our innovation spotlight will highlight a new technology for controlling social distancing. And this month's Hats Off feature honors a particularly innovative consultancy. We'll also be checking in with the Tad Calendar, meaning third age design, and we'll let you know what international events are coming up on the horizon. So we've got a lot to get through, but first, a little background. The third age is generally defined as the time between retirement and the beginning of uh, physical, emotional, and cognitive limitations, which are caused by age. Today, it roughly falls between, say, 65 and 80 years of age, Um, That is, unless you're speaking to any of my family members, in which case they'll say, yeah, it starts at about 90. And actually, that is the point. Nobody enjoys getting old or talking about or thinking about themselves as being older. However, the environment in which you're aging can make a fundamental difference to the quality of life. Now, researchers and practitioners from all over the world have information and strategies we can learn from. And the Third Age Design website and this podcast are designed as a hub for sharing this kind of information. Fundamentally, I believe we can design better together, and that everyone benefits from the open sharing of information. OK, I'm going to climb down from my high horse now, but if you haven't done so already, please take a look at the ThirdAge.Design website. And while you're there, check out the competitions page where architecture and design students can win a substantial cash prize in the TAD 2021 OSCA Student Challenge, generously sponsored by Oscar, a world leader in pressure care and specialist furnishings. OK, now down to business. The topic of today's podcast is both timely and challenging, the impact of COVID-19 on care home design. In the fourth quarter of last year, one of the UK's largest care home operators was facing the threat of possible legal action over the deaths of residents from this pandemic. During last spring's peak, more than 400 UK care home residents were dying every day, according to the PA news agency with deaths rising by 500% in one week alone. Age UK estimates that the lockdown has affected around 300,000 care residents and their immediate families. What can we do as designers, architects, and in care management to respond in a physical way to make things better for residents, staff, and family members in the future for this or any other pandemic? My guest today, is a design guru, known for his analysis on the interface between design, neuroscience, economics, politics, philosophy, sociology, and innovation. And I I did that in one breath. Importantly, (laughs) he's also designed in this sector through his award-winning design consultancy, Leon Black. It's Mr. Charles Leon. Charles trained as a theater set designer and began his career working for the National Theater and English National Opera. In 1998, he joined the UK's foremost international hotel design company, and in 1994, he established his own design practice, CLA. 10 years ago, he was joined by Nicholas Black, leading to the Leon Black Partnership. Charles is a past president of the British Institute of Interior Design, the BIID, and sat on the government's All-Party Parliamentary Design and Innovation Committee. Charles, thank you for joining me for our inaugural Third Age Design podcast. I can think of nobody better to help us think outside the box on this particular topic. Um, thanks for being here.
1: Well, it's a real pleasure to be here, and I think um, what we're talking about is a very, very sensitive and very important subject at the moment, um, particularly as we appear to be moving into the second wave of uh, the coronavirus. Um, so I, I think this is highly relevant for the moment and very, very sensitive because it touches so many families, as you were saying earlier in your very kind introduction to me.
0: It really does. I mean, if we if we were to start with layout, um, I'm just thinking that MRSA has been around for decades. Yeah. I know they call it different things in other countries. In the U.S., they call it MRSA. Um, but I, I've never been anywhere myself where uh, things are designed differently as as a result of an MRSA. Even if we've asked the clients in the past, you know, is there any approach we should take, it, it doesn't happen. Do you think that with this pandemic that interior or architectural design uh, in terms of the layout of a care home could, could make a difference?
1: Well, I think it's going to change without any doubt. Um, uh, I think also that um, the, the need for specific types of hygiene and hygiene points is going to change our design. Um, maybe not totally, but to some extent. I mean, most certainly the spatial part of the interior design for care homes is centered around uh, how people interact, and that may be to do with um, either the care with the residents and their families as well. So whenever I'm sort of looking at something um, in a care home spatially in terms of how to design and reorganize the space, normally the first things we consider are the people, above all things. But having said that, I think that um, coronavirus has thrown up So many difficulties in interacting with care homes, which hopefully they'll find some sort of solution, whether it be um, regular testing or whatever, to to allow sort of more family contact. But in essence, apart from that, I don't think it will change very much because I think to some extent, if we always keep people at the center of the focus of what we design, then it will always sort of... Come out with the same sort of integrity.
0: I, I mean, I know there's one project that um, I'd worked on maybe about four or five years ago, and went went back to visit it recently. And uh, there are some retrofits going on to allow a uh, residents to visit safely. So almost like a um, an entryway uh, change where residents can see uh, who's coming on the other side of the glass. Um, putting yeah. heating in there, uh, so ad- adapting um, buildings to meet this need for social distancing, even if it's one, with one's own relatives.
1: I think some of the measures that I've seen so far are quite austere and quite intimidating, glass panels between people. You know, these are people with difficulty in, um, in perceiving and understanding And when there's a barrier that appears that it should or shouldn't be there, then I don't think that's going to be a very satisfactory way. I would have thought, as was announced that they're running a test, um, that the um, testing and tracking and retesting constantly, using uh, family members as, um, as essential workers, may well be one of the better solutions, because I think that... What is fundamental for particularly patients with dementia is human contact more than anything else. So I think I think it's I think whatever solutions are being adopted now are some way um, towards sort of finding um, sort of reasonable solutions. But otherwise, I think they will be temporary. And I think all, to be honest, all everybody wants to do is to hug their loved one.
0: So it's a bit of a blunt instrument, as a more of a knee jerk.
1: Well, uh, to be honest, I mean, I don't want to get too critical of the government, but I think that they could have um, could have really dealt with this problem earlier and much much better, obviously. Um, and I do think that the solution is to allow uh, family members to be carers because. Um, in that way, at least, there's some familiarity. This is particularly for um, guests or residents with dementia, I think, and I think it, it it does reflect in in the way that we sort of understand the spaces and how people interact in the spaces. Um, but I think all these things are absolutely critical for the the residents with dementia, and it's a difficult problem. And but I don't think that the government, have really addressed the problem
0: properly. I want to get on to something very specific um, on those lines in just a moment. But first of all, uh, just referring back to your point about um, uh, support and people being isolated, I, I'm, I'm going to call this the age of isolation, which I'm going to make a thing. We had the industrial age, the technological age now we have the age of isolation, (laughs) it's a thing. Um, Age UK um, uh, has said that 60% of people in care typically receive no visitors at all. And that was before the pandemic. Um, There's a a group called Care Docs, which reported in August of of, uh, 2020, that researchers in Europe and the US found that 55% of residents in care home have, this is a quote, regular feelings of loneliness, 55%. And 60%, we know from Age UK, typically get no visitors at all. Is Is there any way, as designers, in terms of the way that we use space or the type of interactive spaces that we can provide within facilities that can design out?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think there definitely are. Um, uh, they're pioneering, pioneering a few um, experiments, particularly in Holland, I think it is, where they're um, mixing um, students with um, aged people as well, and seeing how that works, and apparently it works beneficially for both sides. I think we've got funnily enough, a, a, there's a TV program that I haven't seen called Cod, Lodgers for Codgers,
0: um, <laughs> where,
1: <laughs> where um, young people are, um, are taken into the homes of older people and begin to interact with them and see both sides of, they both see either side, I should say, of, of different lifestyles. But this, um, the possibility of integrating Um, rather than separating and isolating, I think is something that will have an effect on design. Um, And in fact, one of the the studies done in in, uh, Holland, they've actually created a whole village, or small village, um, of sort of mixed um, residents, that being very young people, I think mostly students, and um, much, much older people, some people needing care or assistance, I don't know how that works with dementia because dementia requires specialist care. Yes. But, um, but without any doubt, where um, developers or um, operators, um, that being care home operators, look at the whole philosophy behind how care homes operate rather than just sort of um, taking people in and um, holding them within sort of isolated silos, I think when that reaches a, a sort of a bigger philosophical and audience, that then there may be sort of some massive changes in how we think about design. And if you think about it, there's um, there is some logic to mixing sort of student accommodation, perhaps with maybe not severe dementia, but uh, with sort of the lighter forms of. Dementia, or we need even just aged care.
0: People that need some support and, and more interaction. Exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. And a wider perspective as well.
0: Yes, and not sort of ghettoizing um mm. older members of society, yep. in essence. So
1: I think it's also a, a little bit of a cultural problem as well that we have here in the West is that. Um, certain sort of inconvenient problems we want to just sort of push away from us, um, And with the better health care, which we have, then the population is aging. And as a result, there, is, there are various other sort of um, situations that occur as a result of that and how to deal with aged care.
0: In terms of getting quite specific now, there's been a lot of research, for example, on copper and you can see um, advertisements for face masks with copper on them, and that apparently copper uh, affects the DNA of viruses. So there are are suggestions that for perhaps handles or surfaces, copper might be used. Are there any specialist materials um, that you've uh, heard of that you think yeah. might help that we should we should be discussing and sharing with the listeners.
1: Well, interestingly, um, my wife has been um, manufacturing masks as she sort of pivoted her business, which does sort of spa uniforms and things. So she's done quite a bit of research into antimicrobial and antiviral fabrics. Um, so there, I mean, the key star in all of this, in terms of materials, is silver. I have really? I haven't seen any reports about copper, but I have seen about silver. Well, silver does have antimicrobial and antiviral properties and is used um, in various different forms. I'm afraid I can't quite quote you exactly how it's used. My wife would know better. But it is used um, as an antimicrobial formula within certain fabrics. So Silver is the one that I've heard about. I haven't heard about copper. The only re- report that I've heard recently is that the virus apparently survives quite nicely on hard, shiny surfaces for a very long time. I think they were saying something like 28 days, if the temperature is right. So um, that's more of a worry, especially as we all use our phones now. now. That's not necessarily a big problem in care homes. Yes, but hard Chinese ses uh, I think are one of the the keys that they're beginning to find out as they research more and more into how the virus behaves. Um, but I haven't heard anything much about copper as such, and I know copper has always had a sort of quite a sort of mythological status in the past in terms of its sort of properties to transform certain things. I haven't seen any sort of scientific research or evidence for copper in that
0: sense. Interesting. I know it certainly transformed Tom Dixon's lighting (laughs) catalogue. But I will, um, just to say, the resources page of the thirdage.design website, uh, we will have links to information about both silver and copper for people to continue on with their own research. Um, uh, after this podcast. My, my final question um, for you is, how do you think the pandemic is going to affect this sector in the future? Not in terms of residents for change, but that is always the focus. Um, but if we look at the other side of it, for providers, designers, and architects, how do you think this affects the marketplace going forward?
1: Oh, gosh, that's, quite, that's a very big question.
0: It is, isn't it? <laughs> but I know been... you, you, you like this global view, so I thought you're the guy yeah. to ask.
1: Well, there has been a big shift in the last, oh, I guess it's about 10 years, to go up market with care homes. And this has, I think, happened because of... Um, Uh, a certain amount of American money that has come over to the UK and has um, recognized that there is a gap in the market uh, where um, care homes can and do cater for um, a much wealthier population, uh, particularly an aging wealthy population. Now, that doesn't cover everybody, of course, but that is one of the big differences that's happened lately. But in terms of sort of design, I think, undoubtedly there will be differences in terms of particularly entrance and exit points and the control of those entrance and exit points. To my, I mean, every care home I've ever seen or been involved with does have normally a pretty secure system for um, allowing people in and for that matter allowing people out as well. What I do think will change though is... um, Care homes, contact with um, sort of nature, with um, exposure to the outside world as well, to gardens and Mm -hmm. things like that, which I'm pretty sure is going to become prevalent. Where people are indoors all the time, they will need and want to have um, outdoor spaces. And I think that that will affect how we design um, care homes in the future. Are you referring to biophilic
0: design specifically? Precisely. Yes, okay. And
1: there was that wonderful um, piece of research done about um, the recovery of hospital patients where they had um, some hospital patients after recovering from similar operations were were given a view just out to a wall and some were given a view out to the countryside or to trees or to greenery. What they found in this um, study was that Um, the patients recovered faster and better where they had a view of the outside world, that being mostly to do with sort of seeing greenery, and that their long-term recovery was far, far more sustainable. And that's really interesting because what interests me in that is the interplay between um, what we see, and how our mind works, and how our body works. So I think that there there will be more... um, more studies and more research and then more practical design that takes on board more um, how what the quality of the environment is. And I say that in a very holistic way, whether it be um, better views, better gardens, better outdoor spaces, better indoor spaces that can see the outside world as well. So I think that will have a big effect because the other sort of big sort of trend at the moment, if you like, is in um, the research into neurogenesis, which is the generation of new cells in the brain, and they found that all these forms of stimulation and the environment are incredibly important in how our brain functions and how well it regenerates as well. So you can't get a good enough environment. It, the better you have, the better you will feel.
0: And the better um, the quality of life.
1: And the better the quality of life, absolutely. I mean, obviously, dementia is it's a different sort of animal altogether. It's a disease, and it basically erodes parts of the brain. Um, I, they haven't yet, as far as I know, found any sort of method of halting that or even interrupting the whole process. Or curing it in any way. They
0: can slow so it with certain can, types, I believe, with medication yes. for Alzheimer's specifically.
1: If they find it early enough, yeah. then I believe that there is now, or there has been some recent research that shows that on, they, they are working with all these different proteins, with the tau protein, with all the, and it's very, very complex research, but I mean, there is progress basically. But having said that, if you can improve the quality of life by one degree or two degrees in four different dimensions, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, it improves everybody's quality of life, including the carers, of course, and people who operate the homes. The other interesting thing, I think, is um, the correlation between um, behavior and circadian rhythms. Mm-hmm. As well, which is um, for for anyone who doesn't sort of know much about circadian rhythms, basically the way we um, we naturally absorb light and darkness, um, and that these natural rhythms have um, a huge impact on our behaviour. And this has been proven in many studies, in particularly in cabs, particularly in care homes with dementia. So I think that's another major element that all designers should take on board is um, that it isn't, it, it isn't very beneficial to leave your lights blazing all night um, because it might be easier to do uh, the caring. It's actually, um, it actually has a detrimental effect on people's mental health and therefore their sleeping and if they don't sleep properly, then there is an um, increased um, rise of uh, aggression. So there's there's lots and lots and lots of things that we can do, which are small things, but they are incremental. I think.
0: And that's also tied to the color of the of the light at certain times of days, Absolutely. in terms of getting getting the rhythms. And again, we'll put some we'll put some links on the resources yep. page for this podcast um, for circadian mm-hmm. rhythms for people to. Uh, continue with their own research in this area um, yep. Charles I, I cannot thank you enough this is, it's wonderful to have your insights and you're a very global thinker and I think on, on particularly this topic and where we are in society at the moment fighting with these things it's been, it's been really um, helpful and, and quite inspirational really to have your input on it. Thank you so much
1: Laurie thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to your audience as well and um, let's hope that we get sort of better care homes and better care altogether and a better understanding also of this sort of interface between care homes and the community really
0: here here <laughs> thank yeah. you charles at the start of the podcast, I mentioned our hats off feature. Now this is where we highlight concepts and design strategies which are exceptional. And one such company is a research consultancy called Metamorphosin Wellness. They're currently in development on a pod-based architectural solution to COVID and MRSA. And we've been in touch with director Roland McMorrin. And while I can't let the cat out of the bag fully on this one at the moment, this is a group you really should be aware of, and we hope to have Roland as a guest very soon. If you go to the resources page of the ThirdAge.design website, you'll find the link to their website. And while you're there, you can sign up to receive a free ebook called The Study of International Caring Architecture. I highly recommend it. In this month's Innovation Spotlight, we've got Cambridge-based Wild Networks, that's spelled W-Y-L-D. It's a technology group that uses a smartphone app and what they call GeoZones, which is a software-based virtual walls system surrounding care homes. And it's the software itself which determines whether visitors and staff can actually enter a facility based on their health status and the level of risk. Now, once you're inside the building, it monitors social distancing. Heat maps show where social distancing is inadvertently not happening. I I find this fascinating. And it's currently being trialed at the Morar Living's Castle Hill Care Home in Inverness. You can find the link to Wild Networks with much more information through the resources page of the Third Age Design website at thirdage.design, where you can also find a contact link for your podcast feedback or for ideas about future episode topics that you'd like to hear. Just a quick look at the TADS event calendar then. The um, AgeFit event will now take place in a digital format from Lille France, in January from the 26th to the 27th. And at the time of recording, the 12th International Conference on Dementia and Dementia Care is still scheduled to take place in person in Vienna, Austria from the 22nd to the 23rd of February. Details on both, plus events scheduled for later in the year, can be found on the events page at thirdage.design. In next month's podcast, we'll have part two of our COVID response dialogue. This time, it's a sector forecast with the consultant that everyone wants, David Driscoll of Driscoll Consulting. I'd like to thank my guest, Charles Leon of Leon Black, Valerie Adler of The Right Website for the awesome site development, Jeff Haywood of Wildwood PR and his team for helping with the podcast itself, Peter Thorne, who composed the theme music and is playing the piano with Mary Blanchard on flute. By the way, it's called But Is It Art? and it's published by Warwick Music. And finally, to Wayne Janish, who mentioned two years ago, hey, why don't you do a webinar? I'm Lori Pinkerton-Rollet, and I hope you'll join me for the next one.